Um, uh, hey, I mean, look, we got last night, and this this will bleed into like recommendations possibly. But um, I went to go, I went to the the TLC Chinese Theater IMAX. Oh, you know, to see yeah. something, and they did mm-hmm. play. So it, I, I somebody told me like, hey, there's no trailers on it because the film is so long they can't support it. But that's bullshit because there was like five trailers yesterday before our imax 70 millimeter or just imax 70 millimeter yeah oh wow uh so they might have uh done digital trailers i'm guessing switched it up yeah yeah here's the thing so anyway i'm saying mention that because they played a trailer for the exorcist believer oh i saw Uh, that too yeah yeah which uh coming out this october you know um i like the way yeah that the trailer was using the you know the theme song and yeah they they would give you like the three notes and like as soon as it happened i was like oh this is exorcist i I, kind of and just even based on like what i can tell from the plot of like the from the trailer of like oh these two girls go into the woods something strange happens they come back and freaky stuff starts happening i'm like oh that's kind of cool when you got ellen burson walking in you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, and it's basically the exact same ploy as Laurie Strode from the same director, you know, in of the new Halloween movies. I, but Greg, there's two of them. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Is the poster going to say double the trouble at some <laughs> I point? I hope so. Oh, God. <laughs> I, uh, I really hope so. But I, I just, and I've seen these jokes flying around on, online sets, but it just got me thinking, like, what other legacy franchises can you, like, bring back the original actor for and make it a big dramatic moment, uh, you know? Well, I was not original. Well, we did do the Ghostbusters one and we had everyone but Harold Ramis, but oh, there was but a Harold then. Ramis, yeah. a Harold Ramis uh, entity mm-hmm. in the movie. You said it and I was like, oh, well, you know, they kind of did Creature from the Black Lagoon not too long ago, but it was none of the original actors. So... Yeah, hey, yeah. <laughs> And Actually, no. You know what? I just realized a legacy sequel. They maybe? they could they could have done it because Rico Browning, who played, he's one of the suit actors for uh, <laughs> the creature. He lived. He only died like last year. He could have done it. Oh well, as a scientist in the background, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, the the joke I saw that I'm just stealing from somebody on. I was gonna say Twitter, but it's not Twitter anymore, is it? It's X now. Uh, <laughs> I I saw somebody say like you know. Uh, it's like, oh, Daniel Kaluuya walks into a room in 2050. I got out once, like, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, something like, yeah, just, oh God, I, 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 re- I really am like curious to see what from this day and age will get that treatment down the road. Well, maybe we should start writing a Tix reboot with Seth Green and he just like walks in at the very end. Oh, he would do it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd probably, what else has he got to do? Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, uh, so that was, I mean, in terms of horror news, that's what I got. It's just the Exorcist trailer. It looked, it looked interesting. I, w- I will say, look, I did obviously like Halloween Ends. Talked about that a lot. So David Gordon Green. He, he's not soured in your book yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he's he redeemed himself at the end there. And now we'll see you at this one. Will Corey be in this? That That's the big question. That's going to be the deciding mm. factor for me, I think. What if he's the one possessing the little girls? Is that problematic then? Uh, you have a grown adult man inside a little girl. Well, okay, when you put it like that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jeez, 
Um. Well, uh, <laughs> I think this will fit nicely into uh, a transition and into the theme for this month, for this podcast. Welcome to the Weekly Podcast Massacre. I am your host for this week. My name is Michael from Portland. Everyone calls me Murphy. I have a lovely co-host with me today. Yeah, hi, I'm Greg from Los Angeles, a slightly different location than I usually am, and you as well, actually. Yeah, we've... yeah, we we both moved recently because yeah. uh, there was some activity going on in our previous locations, and we just uh, we didn't know who to call, so yeah. we ended up just moving instead. <laughs> so, but, so I uh... moved to a, to a building built in the 1960s, where <laughs> some people definitely like you know got who know how many people by died. The 19- right? Well, that yeah. was the thing in. My building was, like, from the 20s or something, and as I was leaving, I was having a conversation with Brittany. It's like, how many people do you think have died in this room? Yeah. Versus, like, maybe being born? Like, it's <laughs> enough of a time that, like, that could have happened mm-hmm. at some point. Exactly. I, I, um, I gotta make a slight correction to what I even, to, to, to my introduction. Uh, I was Greg with a three- Instead of an E. Let me last introduce month. the theme real quick. And then I think you can do that real quick. Okay. Because okay. with each new month, we have a new theme. A certain subgenre of a subgenre that we usually like to look into. Investigate. See what we can find out about. Uh, paranormally investigate, you could say. Mm-hmm. And for August, it's August. That's right supernatural spiritual the other side anything that uh i don't want to say goes bump in the night because other things could go bump in the night right but if you see anything with like a sheet over it well i don't even want to say that that's problematic too uh maybe well i look that's a bit of a stretch i mean that is similar to a joke they make in this movie and another thing is that there is like other movies we've watched there is a director's cut of this movie yeah which i think i saw theatrical cut yeah. I originally watched the director's cut, and so when I rented the theatrical cut, I was like, where are all these jokes? These jokes are great. <laughs> like the, like the, the KKK joke. It's hit my hand made. a little bit. I'd be interested in the version with less jokes. <laughs> really? A little bit. I don't know. Some, of the, some of them. I mean, it depends. Look, there was we'll get one into it. that I was like, that like makes sense for the character. Yeah. And the fact that they cut that one, I was like, man, that's like... All this build-up for nothing. I, I went on a but, journey um, with this movie. We'll get to it. Yeah. But, uh, Greg. You are Greg? No? No. Previously, so previously, spirit, previously known as Greg? Previously uh, Greg with a three. Now, um, <laughs> mm. you, gotta, you gotta imagine Shaggy from Scooby-Doo saying this. But I am a go 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 greg Yes. So, yeah, for this month, I'm go 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 greg from Los Angeles. Uh, well, and to start out this month, we are talking about uh, a gym that I grew up loving. We are talking about 1996's The Frighteners. This is a Peter Jackson joint, uh, his first American production, even though it was shot in New Zealand as well. Uh, you can kind of tell the movies that he likes to do. Yeah. Uh, well, that was one of the things. As I was watching it, I was. The first time for this podcast, I was like, what? Where are they? Because it kind of seems like it could be Maine. Right. Uh, I saw a little bit of a documentary, and they were wanting, like, Midwest or, like, Middle America. But it, it does not read like as a, that. It's so far from the Midwest. Yeah. It's like a, a, it's a like little a, bit. 
yeah northern californian but like northern california there's a lot of water right exactly it's like yeah i mean it's the midwest is landlocked so what the hell I think with that, they still I, have lakes and stuff I, like that. So. I was reading it like that's true. I was reading it like yeah, East Coast. I was going to say like Maine or like you know, um, like uh, I'm forgetting any other fucking uh, northeast New Hampshire, New Hampshire. Vermont, you there know. you go. Yes, any of those places. Uh, yeah, it's gorgeous though. Like that setting is really quite beautiful. Yeah, really cool. Just all of the shots that they do because he's a a bad driver. So we see a lot of outside <laughs> shots of that. And it's it's a lot of the, like, layered, um, that's probably not even right. But, like, you know, San Francisco, where it's, like, a big hill, and you yeah. have lots of roads that lead down it. And um, I will say about this movie, it is beautifully shot. Not only just the locations, but there are so many wonderful camera movements throughout yeah. the whole movie. You, I uh, mean, you it, could really you get one instantly. that, like... He he was already kind of a master of his craft before, you know, his magnum magnum opus, you could say, with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Well, uh, no, his magnum opus comes before this with Brain Dead slash Dead Alive. That that is his magnum opus. I don't think uh, he has topped. That is so. I'll just talk, talk about talk about that. Well, Peter Jackson's pre Lord of the Rings career. Um, I have now only seen this and Brain Dead, but Brain Dead is fucking incredible. Like that is one of my favorite horror movies i think that it's such an achievement uh the gore is absolutely next level i think it's got a really you know dark and kind of compelling like story with the mother and son aspect you know so um, you've never seen bad taste or meet the no. feebles i, 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 or need, Heavenly I need creatures. To. no i, I want Heavenly i do i gotta watch all too. of them yeah i gotta see all of them but like uh brain dead to me just it floors me every time i watch it it's absolutely stunning um and I, I, like I said, I went on a journey with this movie. I may have said this next week or last week. And correct me, did you draft this in our '90s draft with uh, on horror? Perhaps drafts? I think I might have. I don't yeah. remember my list, but it's quite possible. I've been saying that I, I've been saying, oh, I haven't seen the Frighteners. Uh, well, let me tell you, when I put this on the other day to watch it for the first time, I saw I watched it twice. It unlocked so many memories because I saw this at a very, very young age. I mm-hmm. think I think at my grandmother's house because and I, I think I I maybe didn't know the title when I was seeing parts of it or I literally just forgotten. But I, I kept thinking that these memories I had of this movie where you have the numbers on the people's foreheads um you have like the crazy ghost effects and like the you know like them doing crazy things with their bodies, like the you know Arlie Ermy changing his his like outfit mm-hmm. and stuff as a ghost, and then the hellworm at the end. I thought all that stuff was um, from Thirteen Ghosts, three make of Thirteen Ghosts. Oh, which no. is a different wow. ghost movie with really shitty yeah. digital effects, but like you know, um, I'll scale back the really shitty for this one because I think that. The first watch of this, I was really uh, off-put by the digital effects at times. I'm just like, oh, they are not great. Like this looks like it's insane. Rough. The second it's very time, rough. I, I will say, the second time I watched it, um, so so it unlocked all sorts of memories, and I was like, oh my god, I've fucking seen this before. This is insane. And it's so you were 
basically having flashback syndrome like Michael J. Fox does at the end of the movie. Yeah. Where you're like walking through a house and you're seeing your grandma's house and like you living and watching the television. So let me tell you, the thing that distinctly kept coming to mind as I was watching it, and I guess I would have maybe was old enough to drink that Helen parents were like, hey, go ahead and drink sodas at this point. But I don't remember. But I kept having a sense memory of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and Diet Dr. Pepper as I was watching this. And those are things I would frequently consume at my grandmother's house. Oh, so wow. it's very possible I was eating those and drinking that while I was watching this as a kid. I mm-hmm. I, I can't say for certain. But and and I was I, I started my first watches I was at work. It's very slow because of the writer strikes. We get a lot of downtime, you know. So I had it on my on my second monitor at work and in the fridge, we had Diet Dr. Pepper, and in our candy bowl at work, we had Reese's. So I was, I was reliving that experience like partway through. I was like, let's just, you know, go all in. Let's just, yeah, yeah, that's great. So okay, but my second watch of this though, I will say, I think, I yeah, there's not, there's a lot of not great digital effects, but I think once I just kind of accepted like it's gonna be kind of messy. I was really impressed by the compositing of everything. Because like you said, it's Mm -hmm. a very well shot movie, but with lots of digital effects in camera at times. But like when you have a ghost walking around these physical spaces, the way they interact with like physical things, I think is really fucking impressive. So even if they themselves are not a great effect, I think like when you have like Frank punching somebody in the face or elbowing Ray or like, um, you know when they're falling through objects and things like that. I think it looks pretty spectacular. Uh, or I think it's I think it's a well done effect. You know you don't see it, the seams of them blending these things together. Right for for the time period, it is extremely well done for yeah. what it is because it is produced by Robert Zemeckis, who's always been like trying to take that next step. Yeah. technologically. I felt I mean, it even in the from somehow. Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Death becomes her. Like all of these things, he's like. How can we like just go a little bit further than what we are right now? And they do they do a, a pretty all right job. A lot of the times that they're a ghost on screen, it's they did a shot and then they redid the whole shot with a with the ghost actor with a blue screen behind them. See, okay, see that's that's what I'm kind of picking up on because I think that can lead to a disaster in compositing where you can just kind of tell yeah. that actor's not. That, but the way they did it, and I mean, it did make me think. The Zemeckis of it all made me think of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where I just right. think every I think every actor does a great job of interacting with something that's not actually there. Oh, they were there for mm-hmm. a take, but then now they're not. And then yeah, I don't know when you had the scenes of like when he's a, when Frank is a ghost and he's like kind of like flying around the world for the first time like i it did look great like i don't know there's something about it where i'm like i just i do kind of weirdly believe it you know uh mm-hmm. so my first watch was pretty rough i think it may also just the quality of this my second monitor at work isn't great versus watching it on my tv where you know things just kind of popped more and it, i thought it looked a lot better but um yeah the first watch this was pretty rough but I came around on it the second watch. I wouldn't say I love this, but I had a lot more fun with it second time through. Mm. Uh, well, you you said something that maybe brought up, and we'll talk about this, and then maybe get into our recommendations. Yeah. Um, do you believe in ghosts? Do you think an no. afterlife is plausible? <laughs> no. no, no, no. I mean, you would. It's the same. Like, look. So we talked about it yet again very nice segue from mother of tears into odd ghosts because there was so much ghost shit in that movie um and very similarly 
shitty digital effects involving the ghost too <laughs> but uh you know that moment where she's like oh we're we're in rome and there's you know two thousand years old and we're built on tops of cemeteries there would be literally every square inch of the planet would be fucking haunted by ghosts so many people have like lived and died and you're telling me that like oh only sometimes like a ghost is gonna show up and haunt somebody like why isn't and this is, again when we feed into um into recommendations uh, why isn't like Hiroshima filled to the brim with victims of the atomic bomb? You know, maybe they like, are. We really don't know. But I, I don't believe either. I don't, I don't think of a heaven or hell. I think it just lights out when we go. Yeah, I would like to believe. Um, maybe it's electrical energy, and there's something about that that's keeping that, us. That's tied the closest. To this mortal plane. That's the closest I get but, to maybe believing it's something could be left behind. You know what I mean? But like, it's, it's not going to be a bullshit, consciousness, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I mean, I wish so. It would be nice to be like, oh, there is proof of an afterlife. I'm always kind of the, I always love the um, Houdini stories about how he was kind of the opposite of Frank Bannister. He would come in and be like, no, this is bullshit. You don't have ghosts. And would always, uh, when he passed away, his wife would hold seances every year because he was like, if I am dead and a ghost, I will come back because I want to let you know. Uh, so unless he's unable to, because of the hellscape that he's in, you know, right, it's quite yeah. possible. But let's talk about recommendations. Um, it's been a while since we've talked to each other. I'm guessing we both saw Barbenheimer, not maybe a double feature, but we have seen and experienced Christopher yeah, we saw Nolan both. and Greta Gerwig's, you know, masterclass in directing. Yeah, um... Uh, what honestly i know a lot of people did do it uh if i had watched them both back to back i would have been driven insane i think um they could not be more different experiences like uh, to to watch those that's fucking crazy and i think i feel feel, how you do it i feel like if you go into oppenheimer first you're gonna need that barbie come down uh because that's how i did it i did oppenheimer five o'clock IMAX the day before I moved. So Mm -hmm. afterwards, my mind is racing because I'm like, shit, I'm moving tomorrow. Fuck, have we ruined the entire planet? (laughs) And then we did all the moving stuff. And then Friday night went to saw Barbie with a very large edible. So I'm exhausted. I'm high as balls. And this movie is just like, you know, it's like candy for your eyes. And I like, they keep closing. I'm like, no, 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 this is great. This is great. I will say my favorite joke of Barbie is from not my favorite actor, but Will Ferrell saying um, her ghost keeps a, a office on the seventeenth oh, floor. God, yeah, so good that that got, that got the best laugh out of me, dude. Him in that movie made me really wish, it made me really sad. Like I missed the heyday of Will Ferrell because, like, I think he's really fallen into a rut. It seems like, um, like he's doing strays of Jamie Foxx. Like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, yeah. this is the guy that gave us stepbrothers, you know? and But I thought he was great in Barbie, even if his, like, subplot really went nowhere. Um, no, that was great. I feel like... Uh, so, I saw Barbie first um, on Tuesday, I want to say. That seems right. Yeah, so I saw Barbie first. Really enjoyed it. Had a, had a great time. Our crowd was very amped up for it. Lots of laughs. Uh, you know, maybe some... Sold weird... out crowd? 
Uh, I think so. Yeah, it was pretty packed. It was um, sold out for us. Yeah, Friday night. Uh, yeah, like people of all people of all ages. Everyone wearing pink. It was great. It was fun. I did. I don't have any pink. I didn't wear. I, pink. I have a shirt with some pink flamingos on it. So like that's what I wore. But uh, no. So I had a good time with it, and like I thought that you know it, it's the more I think about like the consumerism aspect of it, of like it's it really is like a big Mattel product and is ultimately pushing barbie even if it is kind of questioning you know the foundations of barbie and what it does psychologically to people like that's kind mm-hmm. of cool but i did think that there's a lot of great you know i i love all the allusions to other movies in it and like everything it's pulling from is really fascinating the beginning and ending are very 2001 a space odyssey which is great i mean one very obviously the other one maybe a little more like of a stretch if i'm you know saying it's very similar but i think sure. it kind of is um so you know, a little like yeah, it was good. I had a great experience watching it. So like, I rate it kind of highly. Oppenheimer last night, kind of funny that you said you know you're struggling to keep your eyes open during Barbie. The only time I could really see it was a nine fifty five p.m. screening at the Chinese Theater last night. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, because um, then it's like a bunch of trailers still too. So it didn't start till what ten fifteen. Uh, for a three-hour movie i don't think it was as many trailers as other things um but there was a few um so maybe it is just because i i I don't think it is so okay on thursday i went and saw um a double feature new beverly fistful of dollars and for a few dollars more right two great movies awesome to see in the big screen i was falling asleep and sadly during for a few dollars more and it does sour the experience. Obviously, you're missing context for stuff. You you know, you kind of like kind of come to or come to, a, you know, kind of get yourself alert. And you're like, well, maybe I missed something. Maybe I'm losing context for something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I know we talked about recommendations. I kind of hated Oppenheimer. <laughs> I think really? even, the, even the parts I was I was like alert for, I'm just like, I kind of really dislike this experience so here's oh, the man. thing there's i a, loved it i saw your i saw your rating there's a couple of disclaimers here the falling asleep part is one of them but i you know that movie's three hours long and mostly guys in rooms talking yeah and it moved so fast no like, the are you kidding me helped no the scores two, two the, hours went by and i was like what what's happened oh my oh, god the like, score and this but the score is what keeps me going like each scene i'm moving through it it's very superly well like jiving me to go through it you're oh. questioning this whole podcast now no the score i i didn't decide i thought the score had a lot of great stuff to it but it, it's so constant i mean that's part of what was just really draining to me was just that like it's it is like just it just never ceases it just like it was it's just like uh, give me some i don't know when the because war never ceases we don't get any silence until the most i know i know extreme point of the movie which is great and that stuff uh, that part i loved and then there's still an hour and 15 minutes after it like and it's 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 such yeah it's such a de-escalation in terms of what they're discussing like it would it would be like oh hey that point that part was electric and then there's a couple scene there's one scene afterwards where I was just like holy shit this is stunningly well done and then anytime I'm like I'm sitting there and I'm I'm really trying to stay awake you know I am listening and taking in things <laughs> and but like everything I'm taking in is like being like oh but oh he started the investigation and oh yeah. uh, your security clearance and I'm like this is such 
a fucking downer not a downer but it's such a good like a downswing after that middle point you know of like this is how we're wrapping up this is what we're focusing on at the last act of this movie like jesus christ yeah um Um, not only that not only that i saw it on imax obviously parts of it looked great but the changing aspect ratios i would think that somebody like christopher nolan would be a little more like conscious of the effect of the constantly changing aspect ratio because there are times where it's like, oh, an establishing shot of like a beautiful New Mexico desert, and it's like all IMAX and its seventy millimeter gloriousness, and it looks fantastic. We get into a dialogue scene, and it's like like six times within the same dialogue scene, we change aspect ratios, and then we're cutting to a black and white Senate hearing in its seventy, you know, in its full aspect ratio. Three seconds later, cutting back to regular aspect ratio without, and it's like. Like what? Why? It's just it, it's so disjointed and so like back I, and forth. He, back he and did forth. that with Dunkirk as well, I believe. But I think it was so. A little bit more subtle. Um, yeah, and I will say that too. What? I don't think I don't know why he structured it the way he did. Then Dunkirk to me, it felt more like a, like a weird experiment that I really loved. I love Dunkirk, and I think yeah. that like the fractured storytelling in that is really fascinating, and the way that it all kind of converges into a single point. It makes you see the reason for it, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is, like, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy, like, you know, like, uh, kind of dick-out-on-the-table move right there to be able to take these disparate storylines and have them all kind of converge in a single then, place. Right. It, it felt like yeah. it felt playful like Memento to me. Memento feels playful in the way that it's doing all this stuff. And this one, it's like, I really can't tell you why he did it that way. Like... Uh, it, well, it's definitely not playful. I think in yeah. the, you know, the sense of the material that it's not supposed to be. Uh, I saw, or I, I I heard a very interesting take. I wanted to see if you've heard this one as well. Um, that it's a movie about a genius man who is held up by bureaucracy, but he creates something that then changes the world forever. Much like Christopher Nolan changed cinema after making... Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, and you can't put that genie back in the bottle of sure. what have I done to cinema? Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. I get it. Look, I think there's compelling stuff in the movie, and I I think that the story does have really f- like interesting tenets to it, and like tenets. Huh? Um, the movie does have really interesting ideas and like points here, and there's there's really good comparisons about like I saw somebody compare the the um, the relationship that that. Uh, Oppenheimer has with Robert Downey Jr.'s character as like they reach a point of mutually assured destruction in their own relationship, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, but I just think the execution of all of it is so fucking mishandled. Um, yeah, in terms of the structuring of the movie, the changing formats, the score never letting up for one second, the this the constant like repetitiveness of of the editing in general. Just like quick cut, quick cut, quick cut, quick cut of every dialogue scene, just back and forth, back and forth. Like it just, it's so exhausting. And I cannot tell you how many times I was just begging during the last hour, like, please fucking wrap up. Like, please just end it. We get it. Like, I fucking, I understand his journey. Put me out of my misery. Nothing in the last hour made me, like, you know, come to some revelation about anything he did or anything like that. It was just like, Huh. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I'm done. We're done. Nope. We're talking about we're talking about a fun movie today. You got to get it out there <laughs> again. Yes, uh, Frighteners, 1996. Yeah, the theatrical cut was a hundred or an hour and fifty minutes. Uh, this was distributed by Universal. It is a Wingnut Films production. 
as I said, directed by Peter Jackson. It was written by Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson. Uh, I meant to look into more of their relationship. I knew they were working together on Heavenly Creatures. I watched a little bit of a behind-the-scenes things where they were making Heavenly Creatures, and when they needed breaks, they would go and walk, and they would talk about other projects to come up with. And they thought of, oh, what if we do a con man story with ghosts? It is almost like Walter, what Walter Peck is accusing the Ghostbusters of, the EPA yeah. guy. Like, they're con men. They create it, point. and then they come in to do it. Zero Ghostbusters references in this movie. Heartbreaking yeah. to me. <laughs> no, they I appreciate like, that. I think that... Who are you going to call? Or, like, anything. You could have done I, it would, something. No, that's that's too cheeky, man. That's That would have been too fucking cat what do you so, think this movie is there's so many cheeky moments right but it's not okay yeah sure but it's that that's cheap that's cheap and it's lame i know no, no, i think it's it's <laughs> hack i think it's hack to do that and it's like it's like in casper when you have dan Aykroyd literally run in and be like make that fucking stupid call joke. somebody else yeah. yes exactly it, I that's, like it's that, that level the, you know it's that level me. man I, I think right. that uh, so here's no i think that it's smart to not invoke ghostbusters because it's it's that classic thing of like don't reference a better movie in your movie, you know? And not to say that, like, this movie is, like, bad or anything. It's, it's not. It's actually pretty good. But once but, you compare it, yeah. it's going to be talked about, right? But also, it just seems like that's it's it's low-hanging fruit, you know? I think that it... Mm. I like that it tries to stand on its own as, like, a ghost movie product. Let's talk about the cast. We have Michael J. Fox in... I believe this is, like, his last major motion picture. Like, him starring in something i think after this it was like spin city for a long time and then of course he was diagnosed with parkinson's probably earlier than this i believe he knew of his diagnosis before this but was still working through it yeah Uh, he plays frank bannister we have trini alvarado who i have never heard of before never seen in anything else as i told you this is like an andy mcdowell you know doppelganger almost Uh, playing uh, Lucy Linsky. We have Peter Dobson as Ray Linsky, her husband. John Astin as Judge. And I guess I never put together that he is Sean Astin's father. Realizing oh, yeah, that yeah. Sean Astin is a nepotism baby. Coming full circle. Probably Sean Astin on the set of this movie. And so he meets Peter <laughs> Jackson. And years later, he goes, I'm looking for a Samwise. Who's it yeah, going to be? There you go. Perfect. Uh, Jeffrey Combs, probably the MVP of this movie. Oh, not, pr- not probably. Milton Absolutely. Dammers. Yeah. So oh. good. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got D. Wallace as Patricia Bradley, older Patricia Bradley. Uh, Jake Busey as Johnny Bartlett. Another, like, a contender of MVP for what he's doing. He is great in this I, movie. I, need, I needed more of him, I will say. Yeah. I agreed. Uh, you got Chi McBride as Cyrus. There's Jim Fife as Stuart. I needed Troy less of that. Evans. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 especially Stuart. He definitely was grading towards parts of it. Yeah. Uh, Troy Evans as Sheriff Perry. Do you know what you've seen him in? Because oh, absolutely. Something specific. Oh, oh yes. I always yes. think of him as. Yep, he's the principal in in Twin Peaks. Who it, leads just the, the, the pilot. death announcement? Yes. But yeah. he's the in, announcing it, and he does an amazing job in that. Or like 
he's keeping it together and then as soon as it's over he like pulls the plug and you know yeah like head in his hands troy evans is somebody i know very well this guy he honestly to me is one of is maybe like the king character actor of the 90s like he is in so much fucking stuff throughout the from 1990 to 2000 fear and loathing las vegas under siege ace ventura pet detective demolition man uh like he is in uh near dark which is 80s but like he's in that that's too. right uh <laughs> just and he was on all sorts of tv shows like he was in um very uh, recognizable yeah like, he's definitely got a look yeah exactly um i'm i'm glancing down now he was in i i'm murder she wrote i've seen an episode of him of, him, of that with him uh he was in fuck there's another big one that I, I am really blanking on. But anyway, yeah, he's just all over the place. I love Troy Evans. He's, yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Uh, another one that's all over the place and doing the same thing that he always does. We have R. Lee Ermey as Hiles. Okay, see, yeah, if he had added, he had added any, okay, I said the thing of, oh, that would be too cheeky and hacked. It's very hack to have him in here just doing the full, literally doing shots and lines from Full Metal Jacket. Like, that's way too yeah. much. Yeah. All the close-up, yeah. And then, uh, no speaking lines, but I did want to point out, Melanie Linsky is in this as a deputy. Uh, they take her last name for Lucy and Ray. But uh, she's a longtime collaborator. She was in Heavenly Creatures. She's uh, done a lot of stuff. She's very recognizable now. She's in Yellow Jackets right now. Oh. She's married to Jason Ritter. Oh. I, I love him. I'm, I was a huge fan of John Ritter. And I don't think Jason's ever reached those heights of John Ritter, but I still like to think, you know, even though he's an autism baby, he's, you know, he's carrying on that his father's, you know, comedic charm. Sure. Never yeah. as well. Uh, this movie starts with a cold opening of D. Wallace being assaulted by a uh, carpet. Yeah. <laughs> Some kind of ghost is I, chasing but- her in her old house. It's a rough start because one of the biggest issues with this movie is the appearance of the main villain for majority of it. Yes. Like, it, it looks, he looks bad. I think when you got the ghost zooming around, flying through objects, like, sometimes they don't look great. But like I, like I said, I think the effect is kind of, the compositing is interesting and, and pretty good. He sometimes, is just a CGI creation for the most part, and it's really bad. Yeah. Sometimes just the, like, cloaked Reaper is fine, but as he's doing the, yeah. like, Freddy Krueger right. stuff where he's, like, kind of coming out the wall, that's rough. And it's so bizarre to me. Like, they they must have thought this looks great to start the movie with it. Yeah, exactly. Like, to, to, like, let's throw it out there. Let's, let's shock and awe them in the so- beginning. <laughs> And then we'll get into story and, going, and plot and characters and everything. Going back to Twin Peaks. Because I do think there are good character arcs in this movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's pretty well written to a degree. Well executed with, with cinematography. But yeah, the effects are the biggest hang up for me of this movie. Yeah, uh, going back to Twin Peaks, the the effect of him coming out of the wall... I think that David Lynch kicked off that sort of thing with the do- the the knob in Twin Peaks, the drawer pull. Uh oh, with digital effects, you mean? Well, I just mean that if that that thing of general, like someone kind of like coming out of a, you know what I mean, like their face, like kind of pushing through. Uh, 
a solid I always think like of Freddy Krueger. I mean, yeah, but that's not... You're right. You're right. That's the, I guess that's the real start of it. But I'm thinking... I, I guess, so, anyway... Videodrome that, has some kind of stuff like that, true. too, with the... The gun coming out of the TV. All right, I'm just saying digitally then, I suppose. So digitally, you got them pushing through. But that carries on through so many other movies. We saw it in Mother of Tears when a shitty mm-hmm. CGI thing comes out of a door. And then it continued all the way full circle to the Nightmare on Elm Street remake when you got the shitty digital effects of Freddy doing it yet again coming out of a wall. Yeah, It always looks bad. I don't know why people fucking did it for so many years. Like, it, it looks really terrible. Uh, never, never, never good. Oh, the other one, uh, the haunting from the nineteen ninety nine haunting does right, a lot of too. Of course, the, yes. the 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 wooden angel things yep. are always yeah yep. moving around. Um, going back to the writing, I think this movie does exposition like supremely well. Yeah, right after this, we get a newspaper, the editor reading the reporter's column about all of the deaths going on in the town. You have that one. You get you get the aspect of it that people are afraid. They're referring to it as the Grim Reaper. Um, later on, we also get exposition from a documentary about Patricia and Johnny Bartlett being uh, spree, not spree, like mass murderers. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a fifties, sixties. I think it's just a news report, right? Because it's got I, I have in my notes. It's a great news reporter voice that feels real, like it's a woman it's, reading. It's, she, it's like she's uh, watching a docu, like a tape she rented. I thought it was just like uh, the news report talking about the recent epidemic of deaths, but then it also kind of like, hey, we haven't seen. Oh, as in much that as- first part, we haven't. Yes, but, it, yes, but then that's it's just no the but, editor reading it. No, but then it's like a news report about like we haven't seen this many deaths since the Bartlett massacre thing. They and it's do, like the, they do mention it, but it's like right. the woman doing like a news reporter voice talking about it, right? Well, she's the editor, and she's just like British for some reason. In this well, there's small that, American but there is like town. a news report. There's like a, someone's watching the news. I thought right later on, she's she's watching like a VHS tape that she rents because after mm. after Lucy goes to see Patricia and her mother, and a like fucking amazing like push in where the mother is saying, "I knew it was cold blooded." murder Mm. it cuts to lucy watching a vhs tape because she went to go rent like the town history um i I guess it's just the the voice threw me off all right yeah yeah uh we have frank uh crashing a funeral like handing out business cards because he's a psychic investigator uh he's still a bad driver he killed his wife with driving and still drives like a maniac Okay, like you would think you would learn something, or like so, he doesn't care about his life anymore, or something. I'm along wondering those if lines. something, maybe I don't know if it was cut or something, but they talk about in when he killed the wife, they said he was drinking that morning. So the implication is that he's right. drunk. Is the implication now that he's still driving drunk everywhere? Like, is maybe that it, or is he just a bad driver? I don't think so. I think it is just a bad driver, but he ends up driving into, and I just picked it up on this time. Um, into Ray Winsky's fence, but that Ray loves his white picket fence. That right. he wants to be the all-American boy. Um, I I love that he's so so like angry about it. He's got the the what do they call them the the gnomes right on there yes. that Frank you know intentionally hits. Um, um, so I I love going back to Frank's introduction, like at the funeral. I love his outfit in this. 
And mm-hmm. um, I just I, I think that part of the hook for me for this movie is that like he's almost like a not exactly a private detective, but it's he's kind of styled that way. And just in a kind of a fun sort of like light gothic sense, it's like he's this sort of private detective that deals with ghosts. And Mm -hmm. that's just a fun idea in general. I think Michael J. Fox's look for it is really good. The hair kind of throws me off. You never really see him styled like that. The hair's not great. It's okay. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. the trench coat is is, is a good look. In the beginning, he has like the suit underneath. Yes. I just think his physicality, where with the trench coat and everything, and like the way he's always kind of separated from other people, is just really good. And then once you get to reveal that he's like seeing ghosts, it, it just I don't know. It's, it, I think it's interestingly done. Yeah. Um, well, it it is nice that uh, there's a lot of like dark costuming in it. Yeah. And then compared to his light trench coat. Oh, we should mention fun. the music is fucking done by Danny Elfman. Huge I part of this. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, it's it huge really part is of this. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, it really lends... So uh, I mentioned Casper earlier. I think this is a part of this run of movies that are clearly inspired by Beetlejuice that don't let mm-hmm. up after Beetlejuice comes out. So you got Beetlejuice, you got something like The Addams Family, which I think takes a lot of cues from Beetlejuice's aesthetic, right? And um, I, I don't remember... Elfman doesn't do the score for that movie, does he? But anyway... Not that I remember. It's but, possible, but... yeah. But Casper to me feels like a part of that run, and you got the Frighteners, where it's like, it's it's again, it's a light gothic, it's a goofy gothic, you know that that, that Tim Burton really kind of pioneered. Uh, I meant to check in. I believe this was an R-rated movie. I would believe Although it. There's not it's pretty really, violent. <laughs> there's not really a lot of language or sexuality. They, I guess they the say, violence is the only thing, but it's not. They say shit violence. a lot. Okay. Well. There's one pretty gory. There's one pretty gory part, but um, yeah, mostly I think it's them saying shit, and then maybe just the subject matter. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, we we have Lucy meeting Patricia. She has that controlling mother that lives in this uh very gothic house by an abandoned medical center. Uh, we we see the documentary with the exposition that her boyfriend in the fifties, sixties, Johnny Bartlett, they killed twelve people. Uh. Saying it was, um, you know, uh, one more than Starkweather, who I think of John Starkweather, who is like the basis for um, the Badlands movie that, oh. what's his name, Terrence Malick did with um, Emilio's dad, what's it, Martin Sheen and Sissy Space, a great movie. I need um, to see that. Also a fucking Bruce Springsteen song plays that, that's based off that kind of idea. And uh, Jake Busey's got a great look in this. I think he has, like, the bluest contact lenses in. Yeah. And with the hair that he has, it is just, it's so striking. Do you happen to know Jake Busey's first movie? No. I watched it recently. Um, It's a a good watch. Not Not a perfect movie, but it's pretty interesting. It is a Dustin Hoffman movie from the 70s called Straight Time with, uh... Dustin Hoffman, uh, Harrodine Stanton. Uh, okay. Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, M. Emmett Walsh and Gary Busey. And in the movie, okay. it's, it's a Dustin Hoffman coming out of prison. He's meeting with a bunch of his old associates that he knew in prison. One of them being Gary Busey, who is now married with a family. And in the movie, his actual son, Jake Busey, plays his son in the movie. 
and That's he must fun. be three, four years old, and he's got the teeth at that young, young age. <laughs> and there's a very sweet and fun scene where you see Gary Busey at home with Jake, and they're they're playing around, like messing around together, and like having a good time. And it clearly is like they just rolled the cameras on Gary Busey being a dad and like playing around the song. It's very cute. Oh, that's great. Like, and I, and that I'll have was, to check that out. Straight yeah, Jake, time. Straight time. Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Okay. It's good. Yeah, it's a good 70s crime movie. Yeah. Uh, Ray is kind of like what Ken imagines the patriarchy to like <laughs> succeed with. Like he's very uh, dismissive of his wife. Yeah. Uh, about any of her feelings or like how she uh, views the town they're in. He does he, he does makes... live in, in like a 90s version a, a 90s version of a 50s mojo dojo casa house where you got yeah, lawn gnomes yeah. and a white picket fence. Yeah. Uh I love that Lucy at one point is they're talking about Patricia and Johnny Bartlett and, and the wife says, you know, she fell in love with the wrong man. It could happen to anyone. <laughs> you can really tell their their wedding or their marriage is not going great. Uh, um, I just say the gnome thing earlier really makes me laugh when he run through, plows through the fence. You know, at first you think he's going to be concerned for him, but then he's just mad about his fence. As um, he's backing up, the back tire very fun shot. The back tire just very barely knocking the gnome over. And then the, and front, then the tire front tire absolutely tire. crushing it. It's like it's almost as if, he, as if he planned it. Like, all right, I'm going to crush this guy's fucking gnome. Like, yeah. Oh, well, God. he has an intentional look when he does it. Yes. Like, oh, I'm I, I'm already mad at this. I guy. would say too. I've I've run into his fence. Yeah, I think Michael J. Fox is great in this. It did take two watches for me to settle in and like notice how really how good he is in this. But I think, I, he, I think it I think works. He's serviceable. Yeah. I, think I think he's, he's very good. I think he's really good. Role. There's something about his attitude of like just kind of like nonchalantness, right? Throughout, that I think really charm. works. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this, they're about to start having you know uh, sexy times, and then the bed starts levitating. All the crazy shits going on. I love Ray says it's nothing the police can't handle. Oh, he also finds the 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 business card of Frank that he had tore up originally. They have him come in. He does his whole spiel about, ah, oh, this is the worst case I've ever seen. He's got his little viewfinder yeah. thing. The uh, real-looking gun that's actually a squirt gun with holy water. Uh, that's so Good funny. Gag. Yes. Uh, he has an old radio that it looks like that's basically like a ghost trap, and they, they suck them up. I love that he's like, well, you know, it's going to be uh, $450. So why don't we just call the, the fence thing even? And just go out like he initially planned this we find out that he is a con man that can communicate with the the dead and is using the dead to haunt people that he can come in and then exercise the yeah place i would say this is a, it's a this pretty good idea really fun premise i think you could have done an entire movie just with that concept i think they get away from that a little bit it becomes more about the you know uh the death thing which is fun too. I just think there's a little disjointedness in the plot in that regard. Um, uh, it makes it more of a mystery movie instead yeah. of like action comedy, which it, but it ends up. Kind it of almost being. like you could almost do like a weird sort of heist movie with, with that other concept, you know? That's of true like, too. We're gonna be scaring somebody so bad to get a, get this like sum of money that we need. Ghost bank, like right, we're gonna exactly. rob a bank with ghost. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yes. Uh, 
I will say I love so, during the haunting scene the chicken walking in the hallway is really funny because like you got the, you funny. have like the long shadow coming in the hallway first yeah and then the yeah, chicken so walking in the huge. frame God it, that yeah. that is really fucking solid yeah um oh and as Frank is uh, finishing up he notices a number carved in Ray's head. I think it was 37, something like right. that. And that was the and moment so where my, my brain just like unlocked all those past it memories. Clicked it. I'm, yeah. Holy shit, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this is where we meet Cyrus and Stuart. Cyrus is a large black man from the 70s in a, you know, a <laughs> disco afro and like a lot of fringe on his jacket. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stuart is a nerd from the 60s. Yeah. It's a fun pairing. He's got a letterman jacket. Yeah. Yeah. But they get it gets really rough with them almost right away because like you have I think probably the worst effect in the movie, one of the worst effects in the movie. When they get out of the car and Stuart like pukes out of the sides of his face. Like it looks fucking awful. Yeah. One of the thing one of the main critiques I have about this is they continuously talk about ectoplasm. Right. And I do like the way that the... You see it with Ray of how, like, it's continuously dripping out of him. You see it with Ray and Cyrus. Um, but you never see anything, like, in the real world. You never just see goo right. anywhere. I, it's... Like, I want it Ghostbusters. Like, I want that slime, that drippy... Um, it was from those fruit pies. You know, right. those, like, Hostess fruit pies? Like, yeah, that's yeah. what that goop stuff is made out of. That's interesting. And you never see anything like that in the movie. Yeah, I think uh, it, could, that would have been kind of nice. Like, there's some kind of explanation of, like, what it looks like in the real world. Sure. Uh, I do, like, it just looks like they're crying all the time, which to me is interesting. Like, it, it's an interesting Snotty, right. design. Yeah. Right. Where Like, I was looking at it, I'm like... Wait, was Cyrus just crying? But then you realize, oh no, it's just the ectoplasm dripping. Yeah, yeah. I will say, Frank's like, I'm not going to let you ride in the front seat because you drip ectoplasm, and right. we just never see it. You you said that Stewart gets pretty grating. I honestly think both of them are kind of grating. Like, I I some like Chi McBride as me an too. Actor, so I do too. I'm more forgiving in this. Yeah, role for but him. I do think, and maybe this is I don't know. Maybe it's problematic to even call this out as problematic. But it's like at a certain point, every line is about him being black. Like, yeah. it, it just like yeah. it gets it gets tiring. It's like, can he have <laughs> more of a character game or something? You know, because then we get into we meet the judge who is John Aston, like great, wonderful, fantastic, like an yeah. old Western judge. His jaw is coming out. Well, when okay. we first see him, he has no jaw. And there is a ghost dog, which never gets referenced again in the entire movie. Oh, God. Movie. The, the dog looks like shit. He, the do- it's, it's such a weird like dichotomy a here. Like hound or yeah. something? Right. It's such a That's weird... chewing on his jaw. It's very weird at this point. that The dog looks awful, but the judge looks fucking incredible. Like, there, it's yeah. it's so it's such a weird pairing. But uh, the, the makeup was done by Rick Baker, I saw in the credits. Mm-hmm. Like, specifically, it said makeup effects for the judge by Rick Baker. And... It, it, you get what you pay for with Rick. I mean, like he looks, he looks so good. Um, it's, it's amazing. I did have to make uh, sure, you know, if I didn't have subtitles turned on, I would have been fucked. But you know, <laughs> he uh, comes in shooting with his ghostly six irons, grazes Stewart in the head. A lot of ghost guns uh, in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, as you were mentioning, I love Cyrus's line: "If I want to get shot at every day, I'd move my black ass to Los Angeles," which. <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> um then we have michael j fox and the judge talking and 
uh, the judge is saying frightening is a young man's game. And I love his line, don't go saying nothing to the boys, but my ectoplasm is all dried up. <laughs> Just great deliveries from him all the time. Uh, they try to haunt a, a very rich family to get um, money. Yeah. In the director's cut, I think it's something like the bank is going to foreclose on it, right. so he has to do a bunch. Now, Wait, that wasn't in really. That that's not cut? it. That's not in the yeah in the oh, weird. in theatrical. Yeah, I only the watched other the director's one, cut both times. The other one that is like a major plot point we'll we'll get to later, but um. Uh, they haunt the babies. The The mother has seen the actual article that was written that he's a con man. Looks bad. He goes and talks to, yeah, the, the yeah. editor. Um, let's see, whatever. Um, there's a great, I think it's after he's coming out of the newspaper place. Um, we get the Peter Jackson cameo of he runs into goth Peter Jackson and he's yes. got the Grim Reaper t-shirt on. Just a fun look for Jackson. I love he it. He looks great. I will say, I'm not trying to body shame Jackson, but uh, when you watch Brain Dead, he does a cameo in Brain Dead too. He plays a character mm-hmm. in that. He is unrecognizable in Brain Dead because he is very thin. And then by this point, which was only like like seven years later, he looks like the Peter Jackson you kind of know. So it's like he's well, kind of, hmm. he's become a big boy, and then yeah. after Lord of the Rings, he gets the stomach surgery. He looks great. Then, he looks great. I think I think he's a very handsome guy. Even as a big guy, he's he looks great. So yeah, yeah I I think he's a very cuddly bear. But even yeah. after the stomach surgery, like he looked. I remember the King Kong promos with him and Naomi Watts, and it's like, wow, you look great. And then it's it's been a slow upheaval back to that like kind of ballooned weight. Yeah, which hey, it happens fine, to us know. all. Yeah, we it's all just, get I, older. As Guillermo exactly. says, like I you know I love donuts too much. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was going to uh, say, though, I love when they're casing the house before they haunt the babies. There's a really fun moment where they're like out there. They're, Cyrus and Stuart are like standing out, like, t- you know, kind of casing it. And then like real people walk by and they do like the and face they, like, hiding hide thing. Himself? Like, yeah, that's pretty fun. That is funny. That's pretty fun. I like I like Cyrus talking to the babies, too. Like, All right, listen up. Time to stop being babies. <laughs> that, that there's there's they, they do have fun bits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Frank sees Ray as a ghost running down the street and runs into him. Take him to a back alley is basically explaining, oh, you're dead. And he's like, how is this possible? I work out every day. Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm only 29. 29. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Frank takes Ray to the cemetery so he can see his own funeral. That's when we meet, uh, you know, Arlie Ermy as, as Hiles. He's like running the graveyard as a type ship. Says his... Uh, uh, tour of service is another 85 years or right. something along that line. This is kind too crazy. much, man. This is too, you, one having him play the character like this, like exactly like the drill instructor, mm-hmm. uh, the doing the Kubrick shots, the lines, all of it way too much. And then to have him do like the transforming clothes and everything. And Oh, suddenly he pulls it's up a, a riot shield much. and then he has boxing it's gloves a, on. Like it's silly. Which yeah. It's like, why isn't any other ghost doing that stuff? Why is it only him? You know? Right. Cyrus is like complaining, like I need new clothes. It's like, well, could you change yourself? And he's like, you've been promising me a box of cigars for years. And it's like, what you're a ghost. You can't smoke them. Yeah. But you can light them up and blow them in my face. Right. So he can't manifest cigars, but Arlie Ermey can manifest guns that shoot bullets mm-hmm. like dual M sixties. Like, 
And Judge shoots bullets. Like, why can they shoot bullets but not smoke well, cigars? He, like, I, he died I with the six shooters on, as as we all know. Um, all right. <laughs> I love I love that they're like and Ray's funeral. They're like not saying he's a great guy. Oh, like, this is funny. Of... Yeah, that's. But but Ray is like, I, you know, it's true. He's like crying anyway. Yeah, yeah. He's cr- <laughs> it's a goddamn tragedy. <laughs> He's fun in this. And then yeah. uh, Lucy sees Frank there. Um, I also do love that the the sheriff is coming and talking to him. We get more exposition about, like, their, it looks like they have heart attacks, but their arteries are clean as a whistle. Yeah. And uh, Ray has fallen into the grave, so Frank has to go and help him out of the grave. I just love that shot, like, the way that all is being set up. Right. And then Lucy's like, oh, did you have a message for me? cuts to them basically having the anniversary dinner that ray made a reservation for at excalibur the, a the themed restaurant. restaurant that is a great yeah. that is a great touch this is to me was where i don't know why this scene in particular felt very new zealand maybe it's the act the waiter playing the actor that comes up is like i don't know something about his face is red kiwi to me you know <laughs> uh a lot of the extras, I, th- I got that. I got that feeling from. I think uh, we start to learn more about Frank that he used to be an architect. Um, we haven't mentioned like his dream home is like half finished. There's nothing. <laughs> there's a great. I don't know if it was in the theatrical cut, but there's a great shot of him on the roof of the building sawing off like the extra wood yeah. that he then just throws into the fireplace. Like oh, again, yeah. nice like little character moments of that. Uh, the other good um, character she... moment too, I want to say too, because uh, it's when he's leaving the funeral. I just remembered. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. But um, when uh, I think it's a sheriff, or when it's Lucy. Oh, Lucy looks back after she says like, you know, hey, well, is there a message for me and stuff? And she sees him pulling Ray out of the grave. Oh, that's the and sheriff. It's, yeah, it's the or the sheriff. It's the wide shot of him doing that and walking around alone, like talking, talking to, to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that shot. Again, it's a piece of character building because it just made me realize in a second watch of like how lonely and sad his life is. That he's literally spending all of his time with the dead and he's got no more living connection to anybody or anything. You know, nobody right. believes him. Everyone calls him a fraud, right? The sheriff is the closest thing he has to a living friend because he doesn't like... Who doesn't yeah. hate him but is like not... Doesn't necessarily believe him. I guess he does right. like ask him like, "Do you have any thoughts?" Like, so he he must give him some credibility. But it, some it did make me realize you could go for a less comedic route with this character. There's something sad about him that they right. don't tap into enough. I I think. Agreed. Yeah, uh, we find out that Ray blew sixteen thousand on a bad investment. Dude, which okay, there, is there's just another. Yeah, there's a great that, man. Uh, you know. <laughs> The actor playing what Patriarchy. is his name again? Uh, 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 Peter, Dobson. Peter Dobson. He's got a lot of great comedic reads in this. Like that, that stuff. Like, oh shit! I blew it on that bad investment. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is really. Don't, don't tell, tell her. her. Don't tell her that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ray knocks over the wine, so Frank actually goes to the bathroom. That's when we get the random guy walking into the bathroom, who then sees the thirty-eight on his forehead, and the Grim Reaper comes to squeeze his heart and take him to you know kill him. Yeah. Why did this guy die? We don't understand this at all. Well, it's it I think seems... it's partly random people, and then partly I think then later he's targeting stuff to because Frank knows. I think right, it's like a, but yeah. it's 
it's so it's so uh it's too much of a coincidence for this I, guy yeah. to die i do love when we get introduced to comb and he's asking about it. it's like what did he do Piss, Piss on your, on hush, your puppies. hush puppies. Yeah, great read from him there. So I do good. think there's something very weirdly funny about when people die in this, and then you see the tunnel, and like the way they get like sucked into it is like yeah. weirdly hilarious to me. Like seeing this guy from the bathroom, like just getting sucked into the sky. Like I don't know why it made me laugh. It's a rough effect, but it you know yeah. That's, how else are you going to explain the you know the afterlife? Yeah. Um, that's where Frank just basically runs out, and we have the sheriff and Lucy in the sheriff station. We get introduced to Combs, and he is phenomenal. He has one oh. of the worst haircuts I've ever seen, but he makes it look cr- like amazingly creepy. I don't know how to like talk about this character. He's besides, he's like, got, you love to hate him. Yeah, got the the weirdly kind of scarred face. Like a little bit, right? Yes. And then yes. the black leather clothes and gloves and, and then the haircut. It's a very Nazi-ish look. You figure yeah. out kind of why later a little bit. A um, little bit. And let's get into it right now because this is the main difference in uh, the director the director's cut versus theatrical. No, don't tell me they cut he, that stuff out. You learn about his background because of it. So oh. one of the things, and I never picked up on it until this the uh, director's cut viewing is at one point the sheriff's like milton come sit down he's like i don't want to sit down later when he's interviewing frank in the room he sits down for a second he's like oh i can't get up comfortable and he sits back up there's later when he has the donut yes that he takes out and puts on the car so he's got hemorrhoids yeah no it's not that Oh. We learn in the director's cut oh, that when oh my he God. was a yes. part of the Manson family, he was a sex slave. So he had too much anal sex, and it ruined his asshole, and he cannot sit down anymore. Okay, see, I obviously I knew that part from watching director's cut, but I did not put it together with the sitting thing. I thought it was just like a yeah. hemorrhoids joke. Oh my God. I- for years, I also thought it was hemorrhoids, and I thought it was hilarious. But once once I heard that sex, I was like, hold on, wait. Oh. Wow. And it's pretty. It's a pretty brilliant joke. That's insane. Yeah. The fact that cutting his backstory is fucking crazy to me, because it, it's so funny and weirdly creepy. It is, like, one of the creepiest things in the movie, when, you, when he reveals his scars and shit. Like... Um, you do get to see the scar stuff, but okay. it's in in the the police car later with Lucy when he takes off his gloves and you see the swastika. See, that's that to they, me is key. That is key. They cut that part because they do mention that he had been undercover right. with various cults and sex. Um, I love that he's so like detached from yeah, uh, you know, n- normal so- social. Cues Do you think and stuff. so? And he talks about like I took the train. I didn't have a good feeling about the plane. Right. And then immediately starts asking Lucy questions. Yeah. She yells at him, and he can't take it. Did and he, ha- he has to go throw up. <laughs> Did he have an excess uh, of salt during the meal? Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Sorry, sheriff. I have a problem with women yelling. Do you think that's from being at Spawn Ranch Manson. with? The, I think yeah, yeah. I think so as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also love he has a great line <laughs> shortly after that. After the sheriff is, like, telling his background, he's like, I get all the fruity cases. Yeah. This is two years after Jeffrey Combs gives another one of my favorite performances in a movie. Uh, From Beyond? In... No, I mean, that's great, too. He's good in that. But um, 
a castle freak. He's so fucking good oh, at castle okay. freak. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a horror legend. Obviously, played uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Herbert Reanimator. West. Herbert West and Reanimator. Brilliant performance in in that. And I remember him being really good in Brighter Reanimator too. But um, I yeah, Castle Freak is my was my number one performance for him. This might be better than that. Some even I don't know. This is a great his, character though. Yeah, his whole um. Again, it's exposition into how Frank's wife died, but just the way that he does it, the way that he sells it, uh, the way it, like, partway through he, like, stops and is, like, trying to do math if, like, the 3rd of July, <laughs> yeah. 3 p.m., like... Milton, Milton, you're mumbling. Like, yeah. Milton, you're, we can't understand you, you're mumbling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the so way he's, like, kind of... That- He's like half in and half out of the room at times. Yes. Like, he yeah. keeps leaving. Right, right. <laughs> and, it, like, it's great as well as... As he's talking about, you know, the wife died, he gives a, like, timeline and everything that they were arguing that Frank was Dude. going to give his wife a, um, a flower bed, but then, yes. like, he made a... a basketball uh, court? A four, yeah, a four-inch oh, slab of concrete for this basketball. This stuff is so... Dude, his fucking... Michael J. Fox's long hair during this scene, and then, like, yeah. during the argument, he's, like, turning and, like, throwing the basketball. Like, God, it's yeah, so fucking funny. Angry. Uh, uh, but basically that he had been drinking that day. They're arguing as they're driving. They go off the road. Uh, Frank was found like a couple hours later wandering, had no you know, remembrance. Um, they also talk about the retractable blade that was in this trunk. It says FB on it. That he had bought new blades for that day. But um, that it's like, the interesting thing is that we never found it. But the really interesting thing is that the number 13 was carved into her head. And just the camera, again, amazing camera work, the push-in on him saying the stuff. Um, great. Let's go through this a little bit faster. Frank sees the uh, tunnel of light, so he goes and investigates. We see the reporter dying, which again, is is this random, or is this someone that's attached to Frank? Because he doesn't seem to know anything yet. Yeah. Immediately after the editor has the number carved into her forehead. Uh, he says, you're next. She's like, oh, you're threatening me. Great scene here where the cops come, but then also there's the judge and Cyrus and Stewart and the Grim yeah. Reaper. They're all the going same. crazy. Yeah. Uh, the judge comes out shooting and hits him. And I like he says, looks like I ain't shooting with blanks no more. This This part is fucking insane. He's got three great lines immediately after that. There's that, and they, they, he sees the mummy and says, they don't call me the hanging judge for nothing. He then goes and sexually assaults the mummy well, and says, am I, am I incorrect in that verbiage? Like, all right, fair enough. There's no proof there's a ghost in there. It could just be literally just a corpse, I guess. I like it when they lie still like that. At best, it's necrophilia, but he's also dead. So maybe the you know this is kind of there's it's up in the air, yeah. But just seeing his butt just like raise out of the fucking thing, oh god, <laughs> That's funny too. Uh, the cops are there, and Cyrus and Stuart like make the mummy move so that they have to shoot it. And I love his like. I guess this could be a slight Ghostbusters reference. He says, "Nice shooting text." Which is what oh, yeah, Bill yeah. Murray says to Egon in um, the ballroom. But then I love Cyrus's line, like, after the mummy dies, like, she was so young and beautiful. 
that's this is fun this is fun stuff yeah i like this i right. like sneaking i like frank being in the sarcophagus and they push it across push the, the floor too yeah. that's great that's really fun he, he eventually knocks out the editor and like the judge gets her, cut in her half in the car. yeah uh yeah tragically the scythe uh, can kill the, ghosts yeah uh what i was gonna say is after he finishes fucking the mummy he comes out and because i shared the gif with you is that the one where he's like shooting in yeah. the air just kind of i got my juices flowing like... yeah <laughs> good stuff man that fun crazy <laughs> scene yeah uh, so he's uh running away from the grim reaper the reaper like has the scythe underneath his his uh chin that's a real fun scene eventually the car is on the same road that his wife died on they go over she dies i love that she's even after like you could she knows that he didn't kill her she's like you killed me and your wife yep as That's they go back. uh i love that dammers at that point is saying he is great we will never <laughs> see him again and he, and was, he walks, he's walking into walks the background right in to like yeah surrender um, that's when we get the great interrogation scene with uh, Jeffrey Combs. You mentioned Danny Elfman. The score is phenomenal at this point. It has a crescendo moment. And then Jeffrey Combs goes, have you ever heard of Nino Colagina? <laughs> and he has that whole bit about Nino Colagina in 1964 could stop the heartbeat of a frog. With her mind. Yeah. Right. Um, just... God, Combs is so good in selling the the manic energy of Milton Dammers. So he so then, phenomenal. He's telling a story. He's saying that Frank created the death persona as an alter ego and mm-hmm. is having these visions of it killing people when it's actually him killing people with his mind. Frank is kind of taking this all in and is under distress, right? And then he starts being like, oh my God, like you're doing it to me you're now. Doing it. And then he, one of my favorite part, maybe the delivery of the movie, when he rips open his fucking shirt, I'm wearing a lead breastplate! Like, it's, <laughs> oh, it's fucking magic. That, absolutely uh, brilliant, yeah. Uh, so at this point, Lucy goes to see his dilapidated home. I also love that Ray's there with her and is like, oh, look at this place. And even when he sees the the basketball court that had then been turned into a flower, he's like, Perfectly good basketball court. Gone to putts. You know? <laughs> so he's uh, also in favor of the basketball court. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's when Lucy hears a... I almost wrote down voicemail, but it's not. It's an answering machine, right. machine message at this point of time. Is Patricia's mom is saying, oh, she's communicating with the other side. Come here now. Uh, that's when she goes there and she kind of finds the, the, the box cutter... With FB, she keeps thinking that it's the mom is the one in charge of it. Ray comes in and he's also killed. There's the weird house warp, but there's a weird house. Yes. He sees the house and it's like, it. it's like waving. It's kind of, it's a really yeah. bad effect. Yeah. I will say, I think that there's, uh, uh, maybe let's think about it a little later. I mean, look, we know, right? Patricia is a kid. I mean, people, if they're listening she is, to this. Yes. Yeah. She's the bad guy. I think this movie does a really fun take on, it's a psycho thing to me because the house kind yeah. of looks like the psycho house and you That's spend the point. entire movie thinking, oh, hey, the mom is behind this. It's the right? mom. Right. But then it's the kind of, it is almost the same twist as psycho where no, it turns out it is the child, right? Who's, who's the killer. 
And you kind of enter that same sort of manic energy as like Norman running around as mother. You have Patricia running around with the gun. That same sort of like glee, you know what I mean? That they have. And we mentioned it earlier, but D. Wallace, like the yeah, mom D. Wallace. from the 80s. E.T.'s mom, yeah. Doing a phenomenal job in this Like, she's very reserved yeah. and, like, Love kinda, D. Wallace, yeah. Um, feels like, a you know, a battered puppy kind of yes. thing. Um, but then afterwards, you know, it, it's revealed and whatever. But Yeah, um, again, kind of that the, Anthony Perkins sort of turn where... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lucy goes back to the sheriff station. We have an emotional scene in the, the holding cell... Uh, they kind of realize, like, oh, we're gonna fuck at some point later in time. Um, I, I will say, he... even at the dinner and stuff, there is yeah, just a nice, there's a good chiestry between them. I will say, right. yeah, I think there's right. a good chemistry there. Uh, she, he sees the forty-one in her forehead, and then they they start battling the Reaper. Stuart and Cyrus both die at this point, and um, they run away. At this point, Ray is like, well, I can't fight him from this side. I have to have an out-of-body experience. And is just going to blow his brains out in front of her. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't really mention, I guess she's a medical professional. She's a doctor. And she's like, hold on, I have an idea. They're going to inject him with something, lower his heart rate, put him in a freezer so he can die and then be uh, revived at a later point. It's It's kind of a fun idea. But at that point, uh, Milton Dammers, Jeffrey Combs shows up, kidnaps Lucy, and then takes her to the uh, graveyard. And is like, you know, uh, oh, what, she says something of like, I'm reviving him at 9 p.m. Why would we want to do a thing like that? Great, great, great delivery. Yeah. Uh, we have all the stuff like that got cut out about why his butthole is blown out. Oh, uh, man, uh, it's, it sucks that's cut. He he does show his chest and that my body is a roadmap of pain. Another we, great delivery. He, he, he lived with Satanist for a while. We learned that he drank goat's blood and then participated in ritualistic cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God. Uh, I love that so much. Um. So then, yeah, he he's like standing out. He has psychic abilities. He's standing outside he's the, car. To start the car. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it starts moving. But then it's Frank. Frank. Yeah. Frank is a ghost that's yeah. driving it. Which the yeah. ghosts can drive cars? Oh, sure. We've seen them interact with things that, you know, Ray yeah. knocked over the wine glass and oh, other things. In that, there's a really fucking funny little moment when they're investigating uh, Frank's house when Lucy is there with the Ray ghost. And he's looking at the floor map of their house, like pointing at the haunting. Oh, and he's right. Like, and he's yes. like, you know, it's like, uh, what is he? I forget what Ray, Ray yells something and punches it. And it makes no noise. It just kind of falls over lightly. It's so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Like, you see him throw this big punch and then just, like, kind of just tips over all slowly. Like, ah, oh, that's, yeah, that's great stuff. We have, there's a scene where the, the Reaper and uh, Fox are fighting, like, almost comically, where a truck runs yep. him over and hits the the, the Reaper. Um, they they battle, the uh, Arlie Ermy gets killed. But then Jay Fox like shows up with those giant machine guns. I, this is maybe and, the, one of the low points of the movie. It's just how long yes. this goes on for. It, yeah, it is for a while, and then it's just like the face. And I kind of like the weird black goopy face of okay. the Reaper. This is, yeah, look, that's a low point. High point is when he throws the goo against the the tombstone, hits it, yeah. and then it reveals Jake Busey's teeth. 
And you're just yeah. like, there's no mistaking whose face that is. It's just and eyeballs he, and teeth. And you're like, oh, he it's yeah. Johnny Bartlett. Right, right. Yep. Um, he says, I thought guys like you got fried in hell. And just a, a quick punch up. I don't mean to like step on Peter Jackson's, you know, toes. But like, I got out for bad behavior. Oh, that's come good. on. It's right that's, there. That's that would have been fucking great. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, basically is talking about how he's still killing, that he's been doing it, that Frank's wife was number 13, and, um, I love all the ghosts are coming out of the graveyard, and we see the final number 12 from the, the, uh, hospital killing, like, I want to thank you for, for killing the guy that got me, you know, at least he can't do anymore, and I love Busey's line of, like, he couldn't be more wrong, could he, Frank? (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. Uh, kind of drips down into the crypt, and just as Fox is like has the scythe and is about to kill him, he gets revived. And uh, you know, it's one of those things of like, oh my god, we were so close. And one of my big problems with this movie is this is like the climax, and then it undercuts it, and we have a much more extended climax. Which it's not that I don't like everything that we're ha- that's happening. Yeah, it's it goes on for such a long time though. Yeah. It's the pacing of it, right? right? Is that then Lucy goes to Patricia's house and thinks again it's the mom and that the Reaper is just going to be killing Patricia. Um we see Patricia ends up killing her mom and then is talking to Lucy while also talking to Jake Busey in his ghost form and like being like um we should kill her let's kill her now i love Busey's line of like the record should be held by an american like they're talking about like that russian cannibal guy right yes like, that's oh god uh, that's so much fun uh yeah. eight more than gacy we have a couple more until we you know beat bundy he's like i can't russian i can't, I can't with bundy too i can't wait to see the look on his face with bundy yeah. which is really yeah. funny yeah um, they find out that they have the ashes of Jake Busey's character. And I, I also think it was, I don't know if it was du- just director's cut, but they have a scene earlier where it was um, uh, Patricia's mom was like an administrator at the hospital. I think her dad was like a head doctor. Yeah. And after the killings, he killed himself. And Patricia at one point says to Lucy, Mother makes me keep his ashes in my room as a right, punishment. But but it's actually Johnny's ashes, right? It's, it's Johnny. God, yeah. I, I wish I could remember because it the, they have the three serial killer name thing. It's like yeah, Johnny Charles Bartlett or something like that. Um, but yeah, so they need to get the ashes to consecrated grounds. And Lucy remembers from the documentary that there was a chapel in... The, the hospital said so they go that again it's very extended of um we have j fox with the flashback yeah. syndrome to where he's seen everything which is very well done and i like it but it's just like you're going on for so i will, long I will say the last yeah the last like and i again i only watched the director's cut i know that the theatrical is like 10 minutes shorter right yeah um but it feels like the last like 45 minutes are all climax to me because there's just so much right. going on um, and, which, but then at a point you feel exhausted. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah, it was like I was like an Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer all over again. <laughs> yeah, we're on that same wavelength. Um, so they're just trying to get the ashes back to the chapel. Patricia and Dammers make it difficult. 
I love that as as they're about to get there, Dammer's like catches the ashes. Is like, let me guess, these ashes have to get to consecrated ground, and they should not be released under any circumstances. And just unscrews it and lets it go. <laughs> Oops. You don't uh, know what you've just done. Um, there's uh, lines about like, you're an asshole. He's like, yes, I am. I am an asshole. With an Uzi. <laughs> and start shooting at him. So you were saying like, I think that's the delivery of Dammers. That's the great. That was fucking great. There's so much, he. I mean, it's hard to choose with him. Yeah. So we have it uh, where... Fox is in the middle, and then it's uh, it's oh, it made me think of Mimic, where you have the bug and the train, and yes. then uh, Mina this is one of the great the shots middle. of the movie, and this is something I this is something I remember from a kid being a kid too. I think this actually really freaked me out when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so Patricia has the shotgun, and she shoots Combs's head off, and automatically yeah. we see the ghost head. It explodes. Like, populate. It, it's like right. a. It's a bad kind of CGI head explosion, but I think that what helps is the ghost underneath it and like the look on his face, which is really the funny. Confused look. That yeah. is just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um so we find out that it was actually Patricia and Bartlett who killed uh yeah. Michael J. Fox's wife. The, the the flashbacks of the massacre are pretty upsetting, I will say. Like yes. when you have yeah. like her standing over the bed. Like shooting the guy in, the, in a hospital bed, but that's yeah, it's fucked up stuff. Um, uh, and throughout it, it had been like Patricia was just there; she fell in love with the wrong right. guy. But it turns out she was it, invested it, it, in it. She's it the implies, one carving the numbers, yeah. right? It implies earlier that she was just like kind of like you know not not involved in it at all and was kind of falsely accused of being an accomplice. But no, you learned right. she actively took accessory part in it. Yeah. after the fact or something like that. Right? Yeah. Um. So they end up, it's, you know, the four of them, Lucy, Frank, Bartlett, and Patricia, uh, they choke Frank to death, and then they're like, oh, let's kill Lucy, and all of a sudden, Michael J. Fox's ghost, like, comes, grabs Patricia, extracts her soul from her. Which is like, yeah, that's, this is, that's one of the crazy, okay. yeah. <laughs> cool, I guess that's what you're doing. Well, we did see Johnny do something similar with the ghosts. And, like, he grabs Cyrus's uh, soul and, like, crushes it. Yeah. Um, they start going on, on the long tunnel up. Bartlett's coming after him. Um, eventually, Bartlett grabs Patricia while Michael J. Fox makes it to heaven. A really bad heaven look. And yeah. they're like, we're going back down for more. And then all of a sudden, these hell worms. Kind of like a Beetlejuice sandworm-esque. It's like, like, a, it's like a them. like a fleshy tunnel they're suddenly yes. in, and then it turns out it's a yes. giant worm. It looks like shit. It looks like a long turd. Um, yeah, but this made a it huge impression good. on me as a kid. I kept thinking like for, I I remembered this climax very 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 well because I remember you know I was Catholic, grew up Catholic. I remember this scaring me just the visualization yep. of people go, being taken to hell. Um, and, and, but I do remember, like, the, very distinctly, the shot of Stuart and Cyrus, like, standing at the You're top like, of the tunnel. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, let's, let's, uh, this won't be pleasant. And they have new threads, which look horrible. Right. Like, yeah. Even if you're in heaven and you can choose whatever you want to look like, they look. Cyrus, yeah, bad. Cyrus is smoking. Cyrus a cigar, has his finally. cigar. It raises yeah, a lot yeah. of questions when they're talking about like, oh, fine cigars, good libraries, and the honeys. Like, Stuart's a real right. chick magnet up here. It's like so. 
is the afterlife just a bunch of fucking like is that what is going on in heaven that's what i've always hoped it's just like you know 12 o'clock uh marilyn monroe uh three o'clock cleopatra (laughs) i was just listening to jesus i was just listening to a (laughs) podcast talking about that it's like when you die and like the whole thing with marriage is like to you know death uh, till death death do us part so it's like when you go to heaven if when your wife also dies like are you just gonna be fucking while she's gone are you still committed to that one i guess you're not anymore right well we see his wife and she's like you know uh, oh yeah don't worry about it yeah yeah like you're fine i love you um you know have have fun they they push him back into right you know the reality so it it seems like if the reaper kills ghost they still end up going to heaven. Right. So my theory is, since we don't see John Aston as the judge in heaven, that sexual assault he had on that <laughs> corpse made him go to hell. <laughs> I like this theory. It is a glaring omission to not include him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, or Ray, either. Right, oh, yeah. But of course, like, they could just be bad people that go to hell. We don't know. Right. Um. But anyways, he gets pushed back to Earth, you know, him and Lucy hug. We cut to uh, the deconstruction of the house. There's like a um, a crew there uh, wrecking it down. Frank and Lucy are having a nice picnic. They're popping champagne. All of a sudden, the sheriff comes and is like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we should write a book together. And Frank says something like, oh, you should talk to your guardian angel. And then the sheriff looks back at his car and is like, oh, that's a good one, Frank. And then goes away uh we find out that lucy can see milton dammers just yes. sitting in the back seat of the cop car i love, I love how she's like he looks pissed and then he's like huh and they <laughs> reveal that they can see each other and then we get the um wonderful cover of don't fear the reaper by the mutton birds <sighs> i'm glad you the, clocked the name of the band too because i also wrote that as down. she takes the blanket and pretends to be the grim reaper uh chasing him cute uh credits it's you know it's it's a lovely little happy ending let's get into some final thoughts and rate this what are we gonna rate it out of um you know there's lead breastplates lead breastplates is not bad i was gonna say exploded frog hearts oh that's good i like that would be fun um there's also you know grim reaper scythes you know there's a lot but i like exploded frog hearts uh i'll begin this is my movie i picked uh i i really enjoyed this one it's one that i've seen since i was a teenager probably like 13 14 i was watching this um had not a lot of reference of like didn't realize it was a peter jackson or robert zemeckis it was just kind of like oh uh, michael j fox is is fun in this chi mcbride had been in like uh not boston legal it was like the boston school education show that fox had he was the principal and i'm like oh i really like this guy um it's got a lot of great fun characters that have actual arcs i love that michael j fox like it's kind of tacked in on on the ending it but that like he is letting go of the dead wife he's getting rid of the the old house that he would never finish he is going to be living with the living you know instead of the judge yeah. is saying something like death is no way to make a living right idea uh we have a lot of good spooks you know there's fun moments of that of like the scares um even though it's it's rough i do really like 
the Grim Reaper as the character. For the most part, it is kind of a mystery movie of like, what's going on? Why are these people dying? It is the most obvious know. mystery in the world. I, you know, like you're kind of right, up, but right. there's yeah. no you, they in the in the you know basically first exposition scene. They're like, hey, this murderer was executed, and you're like, well, I know this is about ghosts, so you from know, a famous yeah. uh, uh, character actor that I've right. seen plenty of times. Yeah. Hey, a weird wave I'm, of deaths where people were dying with seriously. Anyway, here's a serial killer that was executed, and you're like, okay, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, plenty of good jokes that are in no way problematic in today's society. <laughs> eh, look you on know, the level, you know, on the whole, like you could have been, it could have been a little worse. It, you know? We we've watched much worse. Comparatively. Yeah, yeah. We've watched movies that were later, like came out in a, like couple years later that have oh, yeah. a lot more problematic jokes. Um, it looks phenomenal. I really love the look of the town. I want to go to New Zealand just to see this. I was um, be fun. In the behind-the-scenes thing that I watched a little bit of, they were talking about how uh, they sent a location scout across New Zealand for a couple months to try to find places, you know, that looked like the U.S. And isn't that just the dream job, is you just drive around places, you take a bunch of pictures, and then you go, hey, look at these places. Don't they look good? Amazing. I would love it. That's the dream job. Um I just I I think this comes together in such a uh, a magical sense, and you can really tell that Jackson had an eye for camera and movement as well as story and characters, which is why it makes perfect sense for him to direct the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm going with a four point two. I think this movie is just like it's a lot of people firing on all cylinders. Again, the Final act is a little too drawn out. It's not that I don't like any of the things that's happening. It's just they're taking so long to get to these points. Yeah, I, I you really well said. Um, I have a, again a really interesting journey with this. Like saw it as a kid, was freaked out by parts of it, I believe, and then like watching it and unlocking those memories was so interesting. Uh, realizing what this movie actually was, like, and what that what those memories were, but but that first watch, like, I was having a tough time with it. I think the effects really threw me off. I was the jokes weren't landing for me for some reason. I think there's some subtlety to some of the better jokes that I just didn't get. Yeah, you know, clearly like the whole like uh, sex slave thing just flew over my head completely. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of other bits like that, just little things to notice as it plays out, you know, in addition to the bigger jokes. And I think that like the subtleties of Michael J. Fox's performance and character kind of went by me. And so like, I was like, I, I finished that first watch on a, was it on Thursday, I think. And I was like, that was kind of bad. Like I kind of really didn't like it. And then watching it again, I was like, now I'm into this. I think it's got a, a really nice look. I think the way that the effects are blended in is better than the effects themselves, which really impressed me. And made me realize like the Zemeckis, touch to it too um and i think that yeah a second time around i just i really started to appreciate what jackson was doing with a lot of it and the camera moves stood out to me the the small character the character arcs the the multitude of really great performances in this you know particularly from jeffrey combs who is absolutely killing it and it's such like a you know powerhouse so in good. the middle of this yeah right and the, right. the climax is the climax is pretty long but there's a lot to like within it too so i mean yeah i'm gonna go a little lower 
I'm going to say like 3.5. Uh, wait, what do we decide on exploiting frog hearts? Oh yeah, uh, three four point two exploiting, the four point two exploiting frog hearts. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah, four uh, three point five exploiting frog hearts. I really like it. I could see myself going even higher later on. I do think that's just like the digital effects on the Reaper itself. He's the primary villain for so much of it, and he looks abysmal. Um, yeah. In addition to some of the, the some of the disjointed story, like starting out as like this kind of heist movie almost of like oh, we have to make this money with a really fun idea. But then you only have, like, two, you know, like, man-made haunting scenes, which I think you could have done a lot more with that. Then you pivot into kind of being about, you know, Ray being dead, and then you pivot again to this sort of very action-heavy climax. Like, it just kind of yeah. has these phases that it doesn't transition really well between them, I, I would say. For um, an hour 50 and then two hour for director cut, it is it, yeah. it's a little lengthy for, like... Right comedy movie like it yeah sometimes but they the, gotta be wound tight to like really hit every but the comedy is good and there's a lot of really fun ideas in it so i really did like it um i will say i just saw fun trivia too one of the babies flying around is billy jackson peter's infant son so oh that's yeah. fun uh i we didn't mention it but i like when he comes into ray and lucy's house and he's like the dining room table spun in a counterclockwise direction they're like right no did the toilet <laughs> leap bang up and down no did the bed levitate and like yeah with me on it i got it like and then later <laughs> on he's like you couldn't even bang the toilet seat you made me look like an asshole uh and just go back to jokes i really like just when too when uh lucy is talking about how their marriage wasn't that great and ray's delivery of you bitch <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh and the, the when they're ordering uh like yeah, oh would you wine. like some wine lucy yeah. and ray's like oh red we always have red like uh, let's go white. I was never a fan of red. Lucy. Oh God, yeah, he's he's great. I really I really didn't like him until the second watch. I found him annoying at first, but then he he grew on me a lot. Well, that's the first entry for August. Greg, do you want to let us know what we're going to be watching next week? Uh, sorry, I don't. I didn't. You. Greg. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, all right, for next week. Look, I know we just the week previous to this talked about an italian movie and you said oh that god italian horror not your thing or whatever but i want to talk about um not a giallo not a supernatural thing with witches or anything there's a movie from the 60s called the whip and the body directed by mario bava starring christopher lee and it's a really fascinating ghost movie um let's talk about that yeah a little different okay a lot, a lot different from the frighteners Never heard of it before, but we'll see what we got. The right. whip and the body. And oh and the body. I thought you said Baba. Oh no, oh. yeah. Uh okay. from let me just and whip and the body, nineteen sixty-three. Well thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate review subscribe anywhere that you get this podcast. We have email weekly podcast massacre at gmail.com. Uh, both threads and Instagram are at Weekly Massacre. You are G Anderson19 on Letterboxd. I am Murph and Turf. So please hit us up. Let us know if you know why they call him the Hanging Judge. <laughs> if you could get me a job as a location scout, I'd really appreciate it. That'd be great. Or if you ever went undercover for a cult, um, please let us know how your butthole's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, vivid details, please. Yeah. I gotta decide on a quote once, uh, um, 
But until then, don't go saying nothing to the boys, but my ectoplasm is all dried up. <laughs> I'm wearing a lead breastplate. <laughs> Bye. Bye.